0: Hey guys, Arson here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. So, I'm going to go ahead and open this week's chapter with this small bit, because I kind of just want to get out the way, because, um, you all, you all know what it is anyways. Um, it's very dark, it's very sad, very fucked up, um, and I don't feel like I should ignore it, it like, it has nothing to do with the scene, but that doesn't really matter, um, it, sh- it shouldn't be ignored, and I should at least, like, try saying something about the matter. Uh, that being the world stuff and everything that happened uh, Friday night. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail about it. Everybody already knows what happened. Everybody already knows, like, the details that have surfaced and what is going around. Um, what I will say is uh, Craig Reynolds, who is the drummer for Straight From The Path, he had a very good Twitter thread that kind of echoed my own thoughts about the subject. It it has since been deleted, but uh, the crux of it was basically like, there are so many avenues in terms of like, who is to blame for what happened, that like centering all of it around Travis Scott doesn't really feel right to me. And Travis is one of those avenues where yes, blame and accountability should be directed towards him. But it's not just him who has some responsibility responsibility for what happened. Uh, you know, you can also look at the organizers for World being greatly unprepared, uh, the event being understaffed, uh, the staff that was on hand not having the credentials that they should have. Um, you know, I've read some accounts where people who are at the show say that like, uh, medics who were arriving on scene to perform CPR, they didn't know what they were doing, they didn't know how to perform CPR, they were asking people around them if they knew. Uh, there were way too many people in one vicinity, and way too many stupid people for that matter. Uh, you know, uh, the the people who were getting on top of the ambulance that was in the crowd trying to help out people, you know, they didn't help, uh, just... Um, the the stuff about like moshing and mosh pit etiquette mosh pit etiquette is a real thing um but it's not something that should be like constructed as some kind of a metal versus hip hop argument like i saw certain areas of twitter doing which is really really disappointing um but you know mosh pit etiquette is a real thing you are supposed to help out people if you see them falling you are supposed to get people out of the way who don't want to be in the mosh pit you know uh only shoulders, no elbows, don't punch people, don't do any of that stuff. Probably wasn't followed, um, if to any extent or at all at Astro world Um you know, just that that's kind of where the the basis of my um perspective on it lies. Uh there are just so many different people who have some form of responsibility for what happened and you know, I don't know what the resolution for all this looks like, uh, or if there is one, given the amount of lives that were lost and the extent of people's injuries uh, from the show. Um, but, you know, all I can really say is it, it fucking sucks. Nothing like that should ever happen at a show. A show is supposed to be a safe space. It's supposed to be somewhere where you can go to just kind of like have this cathartic experience and be around like-minded people and have fun. You're not supposed to go and, you know be severely injured or die or have to see things like this or have to try and like steer a show yourself into that direction um you know and i do commend the people who i saw in videos who were trying to get attention but clearly it it wasn't working when i say attention i mean the attention of like camera people and just people around them uh so yeah um rest in peace to the people whose lives were lost uh prayers and thoughts with their families and friends and everybody who uh was injured at asher World. uh you know hope the best for them hope for speedy recovery uh, recovery to any extent that is possible um and yeah that's basically where i want to leave that off because you know it is really sad and fucked up and horrible and i don't want to spend more time on it just because it's very very sad and depressing i'm gonna go ahead and like make some sort of like a light-hearted bad joke about something outside of the scene afterwards just to kind of try and line the mood before i get into the reviews um the reviews for this week's chapter let me just go ahead and pull this up because it's not available off the top of my head uh there are singles from the likes of static dress gray haven heart of gold stan atlantic uh sophia powers a couple of others that i'm going to get into slipknot for that matter that's a big one uh and then brand new records from sea space cowboy like moss flames Bullfriend Valentine, Heart Attack Man, and Youth Fountain. So, yeah. Thanks everyone. Enjoy this chapter. There are times where I am just completely a- astonished and flabbergasted over the fact that Twitter is a free app available to all of us, and last week was uh, one of those moments for myself because of the entire Aaron Rodgers debacle and what that has become, what that surfaced and turned into. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read off a tweet that I uh, had saved about this matter. I'm going to read it verbatim. This motherfucker out here being intentionally misleading with war gymnastics to lead people to believe he was vaccinated and drinking Ocarina of Time elixirs and getting medical advice from Joe Rogan bald head-ass, but we're the irrational ones here. (laughs) Holy shit, dog. What the fuck? (laughs) My dude contracted the deadliest virus in American history and his response was I consulted with Joe Rogan <laughs> What the fuck are you doing bro what the fuck I I I had I was I had a field day with that I I was blown away by that I couldn't believe it That was amazing That was fucking incredible I I guess if podcasters are now eligible to be giving out medical advice since Aaron Rodgers took Joe Rogan's. Uh, my medical advice to all of you listening is go get vaccinated. That is probably a very, very, very good place to start uh, if you want to prevent the possibility of you contracting COVID. Just go get the shots, dude. That's, that's, that's really, really it. Okay, let, let's get into some music now since I'm assuming that's what everyone is here for. Everybody as in all few of you, few dozen. I, I should stop making those jokes because I'm very, very happy that anybody listens to this shit for that matter. Um. So the first thing I want to start off with comes from Static Dress, one of the most exciting young bands in the entire scene right now, in my opinion, Uh, all the potential in the world that I feel like... A full-length project from them is what has been needed to really really like see through that potential and We have news about one I'll get into the details of it after playing the clip But they went ahead and dropped a brand new single this past week called sober exits There is an entire sector of the scene that these motherfuckers in Static Dress are kind of putting on their backs, if I'm being honest with how I look at, like, their performances and their impact compared to the trajectory of that post-hardcore, like, 2000s emo revival kind of realm, uh, where that went after Static Dress kind of rose to prominence around 2019 and then into 2020. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll get into that discussion later on when I talk about Scene Space Cowboy because they also fit into that discussion. But I just personally believe Static Dress are doing that sound better than anybody else in the scene right now. Um, with Sober Exits, this song embodies everything about like that throwback, uh, 2000s MySpace kind of style. They, like I said, like they kind of, They, they carry the torch, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They lead that movement, lead that charge. And I couldn't think of a band that I would rather have be the faces of that movement than static dress. Um, I alluded to something before playing the clip about a project or like a full length project of static dresses finally. Um, so, the, the details of it are a little bit strange, you know, it, it wouldn't be a Static Dress project if it wasn't strange. So, it is a comic book that has a soundtrack attached to it. The whole thing is called Prologue, and it is going to be released on December 3rd. So, it is, I believe, nine tracks long. I'm trying to find uh, anything on the internet from, like a, like, a press release or something that the band has said themselves. Because I'm pretty, pretty sure it said 9. Why did I say pretty, pretty like I'm fucking Kellen Quinn or some shit like that? Uh, where the fuck is this thing, man? 9 tracks, 4 static dresses, prologue. I'm trying to find actual proof of that so that I don't look fucking insane. What if I just go to the fucking pre-order site? That sounds like a good idea. Uh, that doesn't help. Uh, fuck, what am I doing, man? Fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. And you know what, I'm also not going to edit any of this out, so all of you have to just deal with my bullshit for a little while longer. Uh, what the fuck is it, man? Why can't I find this fucking thing? I'm actually re- getting really, really annoyed now. Okay, never mind, there it is. Uh, yeah, nine tracks, so is this an EP or is it an album? I don't know. Uh, what matters, though, is that it is a record. And it is a record that is releasing on December 3rd. Guess what December 3rd is as it pertains to Ulterior? My fucking cutoff date! Which means, Prologue by Static Dress fucking made it. I will actually get to talk about this... or actually I won't get to review this on a show because there won't be a regular weekly episode following December 3rd. So, uh, this will actually end up being the final record I review on social media or one of the final ones because there's also like pacific and a mice and men that day this entire review is fucking all over the place now and i i kind of apologize for it but i also kind of don't because you're getting this authentic version of me that i think is the whole point of this podcast of this platform uh you know you get me and all my insanity and all the other bullshit that comes along with it uh i'm gonna wrap this up now Static dress really sober exit it's really fucking cool and they're putting out prologue on december 3rd i'm sure that's also going to be really fucking cool so I'm really really thankful that Static Dress were able to get that project in before the end of the year because we're now at the point where some releases are starting to have confirmed 2022 dates. Um an act that falls into that category being Greyhaven who announced a brand new record called This Bright and Beautiful World uh releasing on April 15th and they put out the lead single for it called All Candy. It's hard to see This is following uh, Empty Black from 2018, which that record was, it wasn't my introduction to Greyhaven, but it was the point where I I found like this real love and affinity for what Greyhaven were doing on Empty Black. That kind of like, uh, every time I die tribute sound that they had going for them, it really carries over into All Candy. But with All Candy, it feels like really, really groovy and like there's like a real weird grimy danceability to everything that is happening on all candy it's just really really infectious i think gray you know have spent or my hope is that they've spent the last three years since wrapping up empty black uh kind of refining that sound and really knowing where they want to go with it because there's real substance to everything that gray does i think they are one of those bands that like at all all they need are just more ears and more eyes on them and once that happens like there, there's really no telling the heights in our scene in alternative music at large that greyhaven can take themselves towards and all candy to me like exemplifies every bit of that potential that i really 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 really, really hope they like live up to and fulfill on this bright and beautiful world and i have no doubt that they're going to Quite possibly the weirdest band on Sharptone Records at the moment, Heart of Gold, just dropped a brand new single. It is Bad Habit. Just to provide full disclosure and transparency and whatnot, uh, I stopped recording prior to, uh, the clip playing because I wasn't really feeling well, so now I'm starting it back up. If I sound congested or or sick or whatever, um, that's what's happening. I guess I apologize for feeling the way that I do, um, should I be apologizing for that? Do y'all give a fuck? Because I kinda don't. Uh, but anyways... I had said that Heart of Gold is possibly the strangest band on Sharptone Records or some, something of that vernacular. And my, like, what I mean by that is when I think of Sharptone, I think of like the heavier end of them. So like, um, Crystal Lake or, um, Dying Wish, or even like not the heavier side of them, but like a band like Don Broco or Holding Absence that have their heavier moments. Uh, but, like, they still venture into that alternative sound. Uh, Heart of Gold is, like, so pop-based that if you play this song or any of their songs to me and you tell me, like, okay, uh, who's their label, I'm gonna guess, like, Sony or RCA or, like, one, you know, one of the bigger ones, and it's like, oh, they're Tone. That's really, really interesting. Uh, but I, I really, really love the fact that they're on Sharptone and they can provide that kind of variety for the label. Uh, Heart of Gold are so fucking good, man. I love everything that they've done. Um, I talked about one of their singles, Headache, uh, about three months ago, two months ago by this point. Uh, one of my favorite songs of the entire year and Bad Habit, it follows that same trajectory, kind of. Like, uh, I probably prefer Headache, but Bad Habit is everything that I would ask for a Heart of Gold song to be. It is so, like, infectious with the way that it, uh, infuses, like, the pop and electronic vibes. catchy as fuck. Great production, great sounds. Everybody in the band is just, you know, operating at the highest level they possibly could. Um, I, I'm really, really hoping that the end result of Headache and Bad Habit is like a full-length record in 2022, and I'm sure that's going to be the case, so, you know, Heart of Gold is definitely a band that I think everybody should be made aware of and should be paying attention to. So, kind of a like a sidebar that will uh, segue into the next single I want to talk about. I made a TikTok a couple of days ago uh, where I just kind of go through what my week looks like running Ulterior and the process that goes into making uh, everything that I do for this whole platform and product. Uh, One of the things I mentioned there was the like bell feature on Spotify's homepage where you click on it and it'll show you like brand new releases from artists that you're following. One of the cool things that does is it also shows you releases that have feature spots from artists that you're following. And that's a good way for me to discover acts that I wouldn't have known about otherwise. Uh, For example, one of them being Sophie Powers. So this was my first time hearing about her. Uh, She has a brand new single called Greed and it features Dwayne. So, following Dwayne on Spotify is how I became aware of the song. Uh, Dwayne had a record back in, I believe it was June. It was called Stained. Uh, I reviewed it not on a podcast episode, I believe, but uh, on social media. I was very favorable of that record. Uh, Admittedly, it is one that has kind of, like, escaped my mind most of the time, Uh, but I, I, I don't feel right calling it forgettable. I think it's a very, very good record that I suggest to anybody. And, uh, that's the same case with Greed. Greed is a song that, like, the infatuation that I have for it has only increased and extended over the last week that I've had to spend with this track. Um, it, it is fucking phenomenal, dude. Sophie is, like, where did she come from, bro? She has everything that it takes to be a star. And, like, I, I'm saying that just based off of this one song. I have gone back since then and, like, gone through her small yet like, powerful discography that's available on Spotify. Um, with Greed, there's, like, this electronic, industrial kind of feel going for the production of it and the instrumentation. And I think Sophie's delivery, like, really, really l- lends a hand to helping establish that sound as her own. Uh, and she, like, takes control of the choruses. Like, the chorus is so simple yet effective and catchy and again it's her delivery that really really puts it over the top dwayne's feature it it fits perfectly into what's going on with all of greed um you know he was absolutely the right choice to have that part and yeah sophie like she she made some points with this track y'all she fucking killed it i actually i i don't know if this is the first time i've ever said this band's name on this show before or even like my TikTok stuff. Um, actually, it's a lie. I know I've mentioned them one time on TikTok, but as far as ulterior, but make it a podcast, I this might be the first time I've actually said their name, so that's actually kind of exciting. Uh, Slipknot. All of you know who the fuck Slipknot are. Whether you listen to them or not, you know who they are. You know a song or a couple songs, uh, and you're about to know another one. They dropped a brand new single called the Chapel Town rag. Hollow the breath, the you oh, My adoration for Slipknot has actually aged considerably better than it has for some of the other like heavier bands that i got into back in the early and mid 2000s around that point in time uh i've beaten this fucking horse to death already uh countless times on this show uh bands like kill switch engage Atreyu. um we're gonna talk about bullify valentine later um avenge sevenfold there there's probably others i can't really think of um I, i i don't think too highly of those acts anymore at one point in time yes they were some of my favorite bands uh but just over time you know things just didn't really pan out in 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 favor for them in my eyes whereas Slipknot I, I think for the most part their material has aged very well and they continue to put out quality material most of the time I say most of the time because the last record of theirs, We Are Not Your Kind, from 2019, I, I think is, it's just okay. Uh, but everything before that, like uh, The Great Chapter, All Hope Is Gone, like, I really, really enjoy all those records. There was the, um, that standalone single that they dropped Halloween 2018, I, All Out Life, is that what it's called? I'm gonna check real quick, just so I don't sound like a... I wasn't gonna say Sonic an idiot, I already do Sonic an idiot more often than not. Yeah, it was called All Out Life. Uh the song actually says We Are Not Your Kind, and it wasn't on We're Not Your Kind, which whatever. Uh this is about the Chapel Town rag, not fucking whatever else. This is a really, really strong comeback single, I would say. Um I think it has every element that a Slipknot fan would want to hear out of this band. Uh, You know, you have all those fast-paced, energetic, heavy moments. Uh, Corey Taylor, you know, is still really, really good at cleans, even if, like, sometimes he's not using the cleans for projects that I think are good. Um, uh, CMFT definitely, definitely, definitely must be stopped. Um, But no, the Chapulton rag is really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot uh yeah it fits into everything that you could ask for out of a Slipknot track and there is going to be a record from them in 2022 so you know we'll just have to wait and see what the end result of that is in terms of quality and like how highly or not so highly i view it on this podcast next year brand new single out of Stan Atlantic this one is Molotov OK I think I'm right in saying that this is the second single Stan Atlantic have put out this year. Uh, the first one would have been Death Wish, which featured Nothing Nowhere. I'm pretty sure that was the only other one. Um, at least that's like what I have recollection of. Um, the, the trajectory of like those two singles, uh, Death Wish and then now Molotov, okay. We're seeing a more aggressive Stan Atlantic, a Stan Atlantic that I think like this variation of them has just a little bit more to offer our scene. I I liked uh Pink Elephant that was the last record from 2020. I liked it for the most part. There are still songs in there that I do go back to. Uh wait, Pink Elephant was the Pink Elephant was a single. What the fuck was the album called? Holy shit! I just forgot the name of an a- of an album. Wait, was Pink Elephant the album or the? No wait, Pink Elephant was the album. Then what was a single? jurassic park fucking shit man uh, well, never mind uh disregard everything that i've just said basically um i i liked pink elephant for the most part jurassic park and soap are the two songs off of that record that i go back to quite often uh actually maybe um sh- as well uh, i'm not telling y'all to quiet down there's literally a song on there called sh and i don't know how to relay that information without actually sounding like i'm telling y'all to shut the fuck up um, I, I I like that record for the most part, but, like, that kind of, like, pop-punk sound, um, I don't necessarily know if Stan Atlantic, like, utilized everything that they were capable of with that specific tone, whereas this year we're seeing Deathwish and now Molotov OK, and, like, we're understanding now, like, hey, Stan Atlantic, like, this more aggressive punk-based nature of them... Like, this is working, and I think it's working tremendously well. And, you know, I'm hoping that they can build off of these two singles and, uh, release something in 2022, whether it be a, an EP or an album, just some kind of a, a tangible project that displays more of what I'm talking about in terms of, like, how, like, much potential there is for this variation of Sand Atlantic. And now for the final single of this chapter that I'm going to go in-depth on. It is the brand new release out from And Is Okay called Time. So let me just talk for a second about and is okay because i if like you've heard me talk about and is okay before on this show it would have been earlier in the year when i i i said that i didn't really have many positives to take away from aurora which was their record from back in january and for the most part yeah that's still the case um there's a song out there called uh the, Co- the cocaine's got your tongue which, whenever it comes up on Shuffle, I kind of, like, have to admit that it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I do quite enjoy that song, even if I still do not think very highly of the rest of the album. Uh, but, like, the prior material from N is okay. Like, Devil May Care and Arms, those records, fuck, dude. I really, really enjoy those records. And I'm not saying that this new single, Time, is, like, in alignment with the stronger material on those records, in my opinion. But I am saying that Time feels like a step in the right direction compared to where the band was on Aurora and how deflated I felt personally hearing that album. Um You know, like my issue is not it's okay going into like a more melodic based direction. Every fucking metalcore band does it, whatever. Like just do it well is all I'm asking for. And I don't necessarily believe that that's what was achieved on Aurora. With time, I I get a better sense of like, What a, like a melodic based ends okay can really, really do when they, you know, put their minds to shit. Um, yeah, it's a good song. I just, I, let me see how I want to say this. I'm glad that this is what they're seemingly ending the year on as opposed to Aurora because it allows me to look back on 2021 as being the year that ends okay gave me the single time as opposed to the album aurora i'm god this is not going well it makes it sound like i just fucking hate this band i really really don't i love devil May care i love arms i've already said that it's just aurora kind of you know left a bad taste in my mouth but time is doing its job in like helping cleanse that part of my perspective with an is okay so now I will just briefly run down the remainder of the singles that I didn't give dedicated time to, but I still said on social media that I liked. Get Away by A Foreign Affair. Keepsake by Asleep at the Helm. Overcome by Aviana. Black Smoke by Breakdown of Sanity. Bad by Casper the Ghost featuring Jutes. The More You Stay Away by Costin, Medicate Me by Chapter and Verse featuring Lizzie Farrell. Bend the Knee by Our Last Night. I'm sorry, I'm leaving by senses fail. I'm a OK by story untold featuring Seven Sins, and Judges of the Underworld by Venom Prison. Uh, the one single last week that I said I just didn't really mind was Riot by Escape the Day. With this single, I understand where it's going for. I can hear like the the creative direction in this track, and it's not a bad one. It's just the production on it. I felt really, really hindered the capabilities of Riot. And, you know, just like with, with more, um, uh, I guess prowess in like how it was produced and mixed and things like that. Um, uh, it, it would have been a, a successful track and I would have said I liked it. I just cannot look past those, like, um, production mishaps. I guess if you want to call them that. And yeah, that's kind of why I said I just didn't mind it. I kind of don't really lean too strongly one way or the other with that song, but you know, I, I hear the potential there and I will continue to follow Escape the Day and hope the best for them moving forward. Basically that's what I'm saying. Okay, we'll get into some records now. There are five of them uh for this week. And I'm gonna start off with a rather big one. Uh it is a brand new EP from Like Moss of Flames called Pure, like, porcelain. So, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, like, what I described before on this show as my... Relationship with like Massa Flames being, uh, so I'll go a little bit more in detail about it now that I'm actually being able to talk about a project of theirs. Um, so I first came across like Massa Flames like back in 2011 or 2012. So, um, I would spend a lot of time on YouTube back then and just like browsing YouTube for music. Like YouTube was my Spotify before spotify and like that was my haven for music that was just where i would go all the time every day after school just come home and just be on fucking youtube which is not good but um that's what i did and there were uh, at times like music videos where like even if you had never heard of the band before the algorithm would recommend them to you and they would recommend them to you until you fucking watch them you know you could not escape them and you would recognize the thumbnail and you'd be like oh it's that fucking video again showing up here um just like off the top of my head a couple songs that uh were like that were um uh at reply by set it off knives and Pens" by blackville brides uh reprobate romance by blacklist me um if you can't hang my sleeping sirens was kind of like that too although i had I had watched that music video when it dropped. So I didn't really have that experience of being like, Oh, this fucking song again. Um, you won't be missed by like moths of flames was one of those songs where like the video just constantly, constantly fucking showed up in my recommended section. No matter what. And I was like, I don't know like moths of flames. I don't fucking know who they are. Uh, so eventually I just gave in, watched the video and I'm like, Oh, okay. That is who they are. Like that is like moths to fucking flames, dude. Um, and I was very, very, very impressed with what I heard, but I didn't really follow them extensively after that. And I don't really, really know why. It wasn't like I had some kind of a a detachment from metalcore because I would follow metalcore bands pretty heavily back then. Um, you know, it's like, what was me? Motionless in white, uh, those kinds of bands that were rising to prominence around that point. Um, maybe Memphis may fire, even though I think some of their stuff gonna be mid um but i just didn't really have that kind of affinity for like lots of flames even though i have always acknowledged that they are a god tier talented fucking band dude they are one of the most important and pivotal bands of the last decade for the metalcore scene um and even if i wasn't like keeping up with them extensively i was still listening to all their projects when they dropped so like an eye for an eye Um, the, um, the Barrier Pain single, uh, it wasn't a single, it was, like, off of a double single thing. Um, well, it's still a single. Just, whatever, dude. I'm, I'm, like, high off of, like, fucking allergy meds right now, if no one could tell. So, this episode slash chapter is, like, fucking off the goddamn rails at this point, but I'm already recording it, so I gotta keep going. Um, Dark Divine was the point where i i looked at moths and i was like they they got me dark Dark divine is my favorite moths record i don't know how well a statement like that would go over with like the diehard moths fan base because dark divine is considered to be like the softer moths record i guess you could say even though it's not really soft it's just soft in comparison to what they had done before um when no eternity and gold dropped last year so, that record, um, it dropped the same day as Post-Human Survival Horror by Bring Me the Horizon. All of you know by this point, Bring Me the Horizon is my favorite band of all time. So, yes, of course I was going to listen to that record non-fucking-stop. And just, you know, by virtue of No Eternity and Gold dropping on the same day, I didn't hear that record for like three weeks after the fact. And I remember listening to it and I was like, this is... This is incredible. This is really, really fucking good. Uh, there's a track on there called Fluorescent White, which ended up being one of my favorite songs of the entire year. It's like a top 20 or 15 song. I believe I'd have to look at like that 2020 list I made again. But Fluorescent White was, to me, like peak moths. That is my favorite Like Moths of Flame song I've ever listened to. And so coming into Pure Like Porcelain, you know, I was ready to have those moments all over again where I was blown away by like Mass of Flames, and I wholeheartedly believe that is like to a T what I got with this EP. Um, so I talked about the preservation of hate back when I dropped this lead single. The preservation of hate is just angry like Mass of Flames through and through. Like it's a fucking in your face aggressive ass metalcore song, and I'm like, you know, I I say I've said on this show before that. A lot of metalcore can kind of like be very samey to me and like it all blends in with each other. Not moths, dude. Definitely, definitely not moths. Moths have such a unique style while maybe at times not really having a un- unique style. They're just able to capture like that metalcore essence, that metalcore spirit in a way that brings their material to life in manners that you don't usually see out of a ton of metalcore bands these days. Um, Views from Halfway Down. I, I talked about that single, was it last week or two weeks ago? I don't remember exactly when it was. I come out of Prayer Like Porcelain, still being of the belief that Views from Halfway Down is my favorite song here. I really, really enjoy the, like those slower brooding verses that, you know, eventually explode into the more, aggressive nature of like Master flames i just think that that balance that they can find with those two sounds it works incredibly well especially because it's carried by chris Roder's just incredible and versatile vocal range when it comes to not only his cleans but just also his screams i think the opening song ameliorate does a good job at setting the tone for pure like porcelain and you do get like kind of a balance of what i've been talking about with like the more brooding soft side of like lots of flames and then the heavier nature of them, not to the extent of views from halfway down, but I think it's still a good song to at least tell you like, Hey, this is kind of the crux of this EP. This is what you're going to hear. Um, gnashing teeth has this really cool, like muffled outro where it, it does kind of feel like, and I say, I say this in like a positive way where the song is kind of being suffocated. If, suffocation can have any kind of a positive connotation attached to it and that's what i'm trying to do um it it just has like this really cool effect to it that is so unique to, to gnashing teeth and you don't really hear it anywhere else and then the closer do not resuscitate it it embodies what i said about views from halfway down as far as like being able to showcase this like dark side of moths but not heavy and I really, really enjoy that. I really like those moments where I can kind of like pull myself away from just the heavy metalcore side of Moths and be like, this is so like grotesquely enchanting. That's kind of the way that I want to describe like Moths of Flames overall. Grotesquely enchanting. I think they're just able to capture that kind of a sound and that kind of dynamic in a way that like even if you don't really fuck with the music... You just have to respect it. You have to, like, a- admire and acknowledge what, like, Master Flames bring to the scene. And, like, there's a reason why they're so well-respected and why they've been able to carry this name for so long and become one of the most important bands in metalcore because they just carry with them this weight that, you know, like I said... If you're not a fan, you still gotta look at them and just be like, damn, those are those dudes, man. And, like, coming out of Pure Like Porcelain, I, I, I just feel like my, you know, admiration for this band has somehow grown e- even further than what it was before. Um, if I had to make a list of, like, my favorite bands ever, I'm gonna run through, you know, at the very least, like, two and a half dozen before I get to moths and you know that goes into what I said earlier I acknowledge that I haven't always paid attention to them and followed their careers the way that I probably should have um and that's not anything against them that's all like, all entirely on me but like you know they deserve that time they deserve that attention they deserve that respect like moths the flames have a real claim to being one of the most talented and best metalcore bands this scene has ever fucking had. And, you know, just, I, I can't really say anything else other than just listen to the music. Like, y- you've, they, they've done everything right. They have done everything to, like, not, not ask for your time, but command your time. And, you know, at at, at some point everybody who considers himself to be even marginally a fan of metalcore like you got to get on that moth's bandwagon even if you're just like halfway on it you've got to at some point if you haven't already acknowledge that these guys are the fucking kings and we are lucky to have them around us there is another ep to talk about this week and i'm gonna go ahead and like just continue the EP discussion into this next release, and it is the brand new EP from Heart Attack Man called Thoughts and Prayers. So there is a ton of like social media lore surrounding Heart Attack Man, and like a lot of it is funny as fuck. <laughs> let me ju- let me just say that now. Um, the way that I heard about Heart Attack Man was back in twenty nineteen, I believe it was. I don't think it was eighteen. Twenty nineteen. Uh, the 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 vocalist of Heart Attack Man, he um he put a beanie on eBay. It's just an orange beanie. There's nothing special about it, other than that he wore it, and it got like almost a hundred thousand dollars in bids. Um, I the, the bids themselves had surpassed like a hundred at that point. Um, and he ultimately decided to take it down. But I I am looking at this and I'm like, what the fuck are people doing? Like, I don't think anybody was actually going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on eric's beanie but that is still like something that you know inadvertently really really helps your band because i see a headline like that and i'm like who the fuck are heart attack man or rather who is heart attack man i thought it was an individual but then i was able to actually like get into the music and the whole substance of heart attack man through fake blood from 2019 and i thought it was really really solid it's not a release that i ever think about often or revisit like ever but like the time that i was able to spend with it back then i still really really liked it um i i think everybody who's a part of seeing twitter inadvertently knows eric just through his account and you know maybe you think he's cool or funny or annoying i've seen reactions encompassing all three emotions um but either way eric has done a good job of putting himself out there whether that's like what he intends to do or not um so, you know, I think there are people who find out about this project and ultimately thoughts and prayers just through Eric's Twitter. Um, so the the lead single for this EP, and I believe the only single for that matter, was Pitch Black. Um, I didn't talk about it extensively on this show back when it dropped. It wasn't one of those singles I chose to review. Uh, what I will say now is Pitch Black really, really embodies like a certain type of punk spirit that I think works really really well for heart attack man and the overall sound that they're uh going for and ultimately what they achieve with thoughts and prayers uh the record opens with puke which i believe is like the longest song on the entire ep but um which i'm only pointing that out because it's like a punk based release so you know most of the time punk songs are characteristic of like being short but puke has like this extended length and i think it works in its favor uh there's no shortage of like the aggression from heart attack man through puke uh, the song is a fucking banger. Uh, like I said, it's very, very aggressive, very angry, um, and you that that resonates through the hook being you make me want to fucking puke, and the effectiveness of Eric's vocals in that realm is very, very cool in my opinion. Uh, and then you go into the second track, thoughts and prayers, with the the title track here. Um, I I can I can hear like influences of hardcore being. Uh, like sprinkled into what higher Tech man is doing on this ep again it's mostly punk based but that hardcore influence is very very strong on the title track um cool to me is where things kind of take a turn not like for the better or for the worse, but just like take a turn in terms of like sonic direction for thoughts and prayers it's kind of scaled back but when i say scaled back i don't mean slower it's just the same ideas and concepts off of pitch black and puke and uh, the title track they're just executed differently on cool to me and it works, like, really, really well, I, th- I think. Uh, it was a great change of pace from what was happening with Puke and Thoughts and Prayers, and then it's a good break before you go into Pitch Black. Uh, the closer, Leap Year. This one is a little bit more tame than what uh, I've been talking about with songs like Puke and Pitch Black. Um, but I don't doubt the possibility that this one might be my favorite on the EP. There's just this, like, really, really cool spin on this song in comparison to everything else here. And again, it's still very much so heart Tech Man. You still get the same kind of vibrancy and energy from the rest of the EP on Leap Year, but it just, it, it, it feels like it encompasses more of what I enjoy about Hard Tech Man through this song. And like the bridge in particular, it's kind of the slowest part of the entire EP, yet that kind of groove and melody I really, really fuck with. Um, so. You know, it's, it's a short EP to get through. I, I, there's no harm in listening to this at all, whether you like Hard Tech Man or not. And I just came out of this release thinking, I, I don't know if like, you know, Hard Tech Man are one of my favorite acts out there. They're probably not, but, i i have no reason to like turn them away whenever they drop something new or like be kind of kind of have like that hesitant reaction of like oh fuck okay hard tech man let me talk about this now for the sake of my show no there's like genuine enjoyment that i get out of listening to hard tech man and talking about hard tech man for that matter um this was a successful ep i think um you know is it gonna make waves for year-end things for me probably not but just i sometimes like I kind of have to take that step back and be like, okay, even if this is not like a definitive release of the year for me, I still enjoyed it. I still had a good time with it. And sometimes that's really all you can ask for, you know, just like, did I vibe with it? Was it cool? W- would I go back to it? Yeah. So all those questions for sure. And, you know, I think that is ultimately the, um, like the telling factor for whether or not I think, uh, something is good. And yeah, thoughts and prayers by heart attack man. I think it's good. So, I mentioned earlier, when I was talking about Slipknot, about how certain legacy acts have, like, fallen out of favor for me over the years. And, Um, you know, I've had things to say on this show before, as it pertained to, like, Atreyu and Trivium. Um Whenever Killswitch and Avenge do anything, they're gonna get their turn. Uh But right now, it's a different band's turn. And I, I don't want that to come across as, like, negative. Um There are negative things I have to say about this record, but ultimately, I want this to be... A review that comes from the perspective of somebody who is trying to, um, like, encompass as large of a portion of the scene's history as I possibly can whenever I do these reviews. So, we have the self-titled record from Bullet for My Valentine. So, let, let me just briefly talk about my history with Bullet my Valentine. Um, so, back when uh, I first came across YouTube, um, this was like back in 2006. Uh, so, what people who weren't around for like the birth of YouTube need to understand is that uh, the potential of that platform was not realized for a couple of years. So, in the early stages of YouTube, people were really just using it like for you know, viral videos and just funny animal clips and, um, you know, music that could get uploaded. But again, like, you know, the, the platform's potential wasn't realized for years beyond that point. Um, so for me, I find YouTube and I'm essentially just using it for the same purpose as LimeWire. It was very enticing to me to have something that I could go to and not have to deal with, like, downloads and download times the way that I would with LimeWire. Uh, That streaming aspect of YouTube is what drew me to it. And so, you know, all I would do on LimeWire was uh, download music and download uh, AMVs. AMVs for people who might not know. Anime music videos. Um, Literally, it's just, like, you know, montages of clips of anime set to music. And that was how I discovered a lot of the bands that shaped my... Uh, childhood and adolescence and then even into my adult life so i found a an amv on youtube back in 2006 i'm, I'm really really trying to remember like what the show was i, I it might have been like naruto or uh i don't think it was inuyasha it, it let's just say it was naruto because i can't really think of like who else it would have been and so i i come across this uh this naruto amv uh, any of y'all want to take a guess at what song was playing in the background of this video? Because uh, if I'm talking about Bullet, you know, you have one shot to guess it and you're going to get it right. It was Tears Don't Fall. Tears Don't Fall. Tears Don't Fall. Tears Don't Fucking Fall. I am immensely tired of that song by this point. But in 2006, I'm listening to Tears Don't Fall and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like... This is so cool. I really, really was uh, gravitated towards like the tempo changes in that song. Maybe not tempo changes per se, but just like um how it's able to go from you know being kind of heavy to the very, very like soft and somber verses, and then back into the heavy chorus, and then the guitar solo. Like there was like so much structure and and layers to Tears Don't Fall that it really, really made me take notes of Bulletproof Valentine just through that one AMV, and then with Scream Aim Fire. In 2008, I felt like, you know, this was a band that I was going to have, like, all of the adoration in the world for. And, you know, I'm not original. The the songs from Screaming Fire that really, really enticed me back then, and to this day, honestly still do, are the title track and Waking the Demon. So, let me just put that out there now. I'm not some sort of, like, fucking connoisseur with both my valentine. I enjoy the hits, and... You know, for me, that was enough to get me into them. Um, I... Let me see. Temper Temper was probably the drop-off point, but even then, like, I think at the time, I enjoyed Temper Temper. I definitely don't now. It's not a record that I think about, you know, a couple times, handful of times a year. Um, and there was nothing after that that, like, really, really did it for me. Venom was you know whatever gravity i think i listened to just once like gave it a courtesy listen the way that i still do with like bands like hollywood undead because they meant so much to me at one point um it just it's been a while since i felt like there was a bullet release that really really spoke to me and really really made me want to devote time and attention and energy to this band so then we get to the cycle for this new self-titled record. And I, I'm pretty sure like I was always going to talk about Bullet Valentine's new record on this show. So long as it was in a week that wasn't really, really packed with many other things. And so that was kind of why I managed to get to it this week. Um, and I, I, I say that having liked all of the singles. Uh, so when knives dropped, I don't remember when that was. It's, it, I feel like it's been a while now, but maybe that's just my brain doing some, uh, dumb shit. Anyways, I'm really sorry. I'm like, out of it. Um, the, the, the what I remember, what I remember seeing on social media was like, oh my god, Bullet from Valentine, it, it, it it's heavy, new song is heavy. And I'm just like, okay. Um, I never ask for bands to be heavy, I ask for them to be good. So I listened to Knives and I'm like, okay, it's actually both heavy and good. I don't have anything bad to say about Knives. It was an enjoyable song. I did fuck with it. Uh, Parasite was the second single. I think Parasite, it also serves as the opener to the record, by the way, and I think it's like the strongest way to possibly open this record because I feel like Parasite is my favorite song off of this self-titled album. It it has a really, really cool initial build to it, and then it goes into its heavy sections. There's this, like, um melodic section towards the end that acts as this point of nostalgia for me, and I'm able to hear this song and just be like, yeah, Bullet Bullet was that band once. Like, I really, really liked them, and with, at, at least with this song, I'm able to put myself back in that frame of mind. Uh, Shatter did pretty much as much, like, as a single as I felt Knives did, just a good showcase of... The heavier side of Bullet, and then Rainbow Veins—you kind of go more melodic-based and ventures into that territory. And I really had no complaints about it. I thought, okay, it's it's a fine song, good good song for that matter. And so four singles in, and I'm like, okay, I think this is a record that just off of the singles, I can say or, or can predict rather, I will like. But what is going to be like the staying power here? What's going to be the lasting effect of this record? And ultimately, having heard the entire project last Friday, I think the lasting effect is, like, not not really there. I think the, for me personally at least, the lowest point of the record came after the two openers, so Parasite and Knives, which I already knew I liked because they were singles. Uh, you go into My Reverie and No Happy Ever After. And with these two songs, I hear them and I just kind of feel like uh, there's not really anything going on here that it entices me. It's kind of like, okay, what I said about Knives being able to put me back into, like, that soft spot for Bullet, My Reverie and No Happy Ever put me back into that mindset where I just wasn't paying attention to Bullet and I fell off on them and I just, like, they're they're not bad songs. I'm not saying that. They're just not interesting. And at this point in the record, you know, it, it's two for four and I'm just like, I, God, man, like, or rather... No, four, four, six, because of the other two singles. But either way, having those two songs come back-to-back back in the, the track listing, it did uh, quite a bit to damage what I was expecting for, or not expecting for, but rather hoping for. Um, Things do pick up uh, thereafter, though, with Can't Escape the Waves and Bastards. I think those two songs, they work very similarly with how they're executed. Uh, Not so much like showcases of like, the heaviness of Bullet, but just more so some of the cool layering stuff that I really do admire about this act. Uh, the same sentiment is there with Paralyzed. I think that song is another good, heavy track from Bullet Fine Valentine. And then the closer, Death by a Thousand Cuts. It's a good song. I also kind of feel like there's nothing really there that makes it this, like, emphatic closer, like, I would love for records like this. Um, aside from like the the fading outro it kind of blends in with everything else and it just sounds like you know any other song on this record um and like like i'm saying all that i do like it it's a good song in my opinion i just feel like it doesn't really have that power that i hope for behind closing tracks because you know a closer is your chance to really 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 send a listener quote-unquote home happy and you know, Death by a Thousand Cuts, I don't really, really think did that, but still a good song. Still something that I didn't mind listening to. Um, So, uh, having finished the record once, I told myself, okay, it's okay. It's fine. Um, I'm going to listen to it again, and hopefully my feelings about those two tracks, My Reverie and No Happy Ever Change, and then like I'm able to hear new things in the other songs I liked that I can point out as positives, and neither really happened. I feel like, you know, if you hear a song on here once, you get the gist of it. You understand what is going on. And, you know, I I guess, like, in that sense, there is some disappointment because I would have liked for this to be a record that, um, you know, kind of rewards you for uh, replaying it over and over again. And just, I personally don't really feel like that's what's happening here. Um, It's a mostly good bullet record and to get a mostly good bullet record in 2021 that is kind of an achievement i think just considering where i've been with this band over the last number of years um but it's not a release that i feel so strongly in favor of and i'm not going to recommend this over the poison or screaming fire i think those are you know two pinnacle records for metalcore in the 2000s and this feels like Um, not like a cheap attempt to revert to that sound, because I don't think that's what's happening here. I don't think it's a cheap, I don't think it's cheap, nor is it an attempt. I think it's bullet kind of playing to their strengths, but sometimes, um, to me, it sounds like those aren't really strengths anymore. They're kind of just characteristics of the band that will show through anyways. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a mostly good record, decent record, I would say overall, um, but I think the time that I spent with uh, this release from Fine Valentine, that is enough for me right now. Uh, so this next record, I wasn't going to review it because I didn't know about it uh, when I was doing all these other reviews on Friday. And I didn't come across it until Friday night. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, it's like a 15 track pop punk record. Is this really like a rabbit hole that I want to go down? And then I thought about it and I'm like, well... If you're not going to try and expose yourself to new artists, and ultimately, in turn, tell your audience about new artists, then why do you have this platform? Like, what are you doing? Stop being fucking lazy. Listen to the record and review it. It's not going to hurt you. And so I went ahead and did it. And I'm really, 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 really thankful that I did, because there's a lot here that I can gush over, and uh, I will. So, it is the brand new record from Youth Fountain called Keepsakes and Reminders. So, I said I didn't know about this record until last Friday. But I have at least mentioned Youth Fountain on this show before. They had, uh, I guess, technically a double single, but also not really, a couple weeks ago. And I was ab- at least able to mention them as being, like, singles that I liked, but I didn't go in-depth on them. It was My Mental Health and Century. What I know now is that My Mental Health is actually the record's opener, and that leads into Century. My Mental Health is, like... It's a short interlude type of song, but it really, really does a lot to set the stage for Keepsakes and Reminders and really, really lets you know what the record's about. So, um, you know, it it has like a repeating uh, verse here. I poisoned all my drinks again and again, assuming it would help me be a completely different person. Then I'm left with just myself. There's never any way out. I can't find a single thing to feel all right about. So, you know, having that type of emotion backing the record immediately, it does a great job carrying over into century and century it's packed with emotion it's a really really just heartfelt somber yet at the same time kind of chaotic and energetic pop punk song that i'm, I'm hearing it and i'm immediately like okay this is really really good i don't think i understood that back when it was a single but hearing it as part of the full record now century is an amazing song and i'm like okay there is definitely something here for me to be excited about I, I think that same idea is shared with hideaway and you know by this point it's like okay two just back-to-back fucking bangers of energetic pop punk songs emotional energetic pop punk songs at that and like I- i'm fully invested at this point peace offering it switches the, the pacing up just slightly but everything that century and hideaway achieved peace offering still does uh, Reminders is, like, this cool interlude break. I don't really know if an interlude break was needed at that point, but I understand why it was placed there, because uh, the songs that follow, like, Dark Grey and Vertigo, they kind of embody the pop-punk spirit just slightly differently, I think. Uh, actually, if I had to make a comparison, I would say Dark Grey and Vertigo kind of remind me of what I had heard on that Can't Swim record a couple weeks ago. It just kind of has, like, that alternative, um, like, dreariness to it that... I think really really works for an act like youth fountain um the speed picks back up with aimless i think that's another good like kind of like century and hideaway type of song where you you can feel like that just that burst of energy resonating through the headphones or speakers whatever you hear music through and you know by this point like i'm, I'm sold on the record entirely i like i don't i don't know if i would well ultimately i don't think it's a perfect record um but like by aimless i was just like even if I don't think this is perfect, this is outstanding, and it's definitely something that I feel the need to to tell people about and get more eyes and ears on this project. Nose Dive, it it has a good mix between some of like the the more um alternative things going on with this record, and then that chaotic pop punk stuff. Uh, it just feels like a cool amalgamation of the ideas and concepts on keepsakes and reminders up to that point. Uh, and then you go into mishap. Mishap is my favorite song on the record. It is one of the coolest fucking things I've heard in a minute. Um, when I say the song came so close to being number one in Scenic Overlook, I really, really mean it. Mishap, it just, like, it, it feels so, like, emo, and I say that with the whole record feeling emo, but with Mishap in particular, I just kind of hear these different, like, little instrumentation quirks and just different uh, vocal techniques and, like, All that springing together, all that sprinkling together into the melody for mishap—it makes for this really, really memorable track that I just could not pull myself away from when I was hearing this record. Jinxed has more of like that energetic flavor that I've been talking about, and you know by this point, like it's still doing it really, really well. I don't feel like that concept is like being tired out or worn out by this point in the record. Uh, Take one capsule a day. It has a real ballad feel to it. It is the slowest song on the record, but. The fact that I think you found to were able to take a slower song and still pack the same kind of emotion into it the way that they do with the faster paced stuff on here, just really, really, really cool. Uh, Scavenger, that song, I think it kind of like, so it was a single already and I missed it beforehand. If I didn't miss it, this would have probably been in Scenic Overlook as well. Uh, it does a lot of what I was talking about with Mishap in terms of just like being able to pack all these different ideas into this one package that like the emotion that's in it, the the raw energy, all of it like really, really speaks to me at heart. And I really, really fuck with Scavenger. And then the closing track, Keepsake, I think it so you found Chose to end the record like with uh, you know, another chaotic song. And I, I admire that because it's like, okay, they're going back to what is the overall crux of this record for the closer. I appreciate that. I think it's a good decision. Um yeah, a lot of, lot of, like, aggression and just, um, like, like, a lot of the, the, like, that, um, I don't want to say destruction, but just, like, those more destructive moments on the record are present with Keepsake. And for that to be the closer, I thought, okay, like, this is ending the record on such a strong positive note. Um, I think ultimately, like, where my issue with the album, if you want to call it an issue, lied, is i feel like there's a lot going on here again it's a 15 track record let me is it 15 tracks i've been saying 15 and maybe it's less or more i'm checking uh 14 well fuck me then 14 tracks with um you know some interlude stuff being thrown in um so okay i i feel like even with those elements There's, are some moments where I don't really know if the material is kind of allowed to breathe. I think, um, some of the pacing, like, you know, might be a little off at points. The track listing maybe could have done with being rearranged in some ways to kind of like not have certain songs with similar elements be back to back and kind of like space out that variety and like let each song be kind of different from the previous one. But either way, like that's such a weird, gripe to have with the record and i acknowledge that um ultimately keepsakes and reminders is a strong fucking record dude i really really enjoyed the time i spent with this i'm you know angry at myself for having almost not reviewed it just out of being lazy um but no you fountain they fucking delivered on this record i definitely definitely suggested to anyone who is into what i've been talking about with like pop punk or some of those can't swim inspired tracks there's just a lot going on here a lot of substance a lot of really really cool shit and yeah, uh, keepsakes and reminders by Youth Fountain. Check it out. Fucking awesome record. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've gone on a, we're getting to the final record now, by the way. So if you've made it this far, thank you. Not that much longer to go. Um, I've said before on this show, my favorite record of all time is Amo by Bring Me the Horizon. So, you know, self explanatory in saying that Amo was my 2019 record of the year. Uh, this is me kind of plugging Record of the Year uh, chapters coming out next month, but then also I have a point to make. So, Ama was Record of the Year 2019, for me personally. So, what was the runner-up? What came second? Um, It was a record called The Correlation Between Entrance and Exit Wounds. And when I say, like... God, there are so many years where that would have been the Record of the Year. That record, like it's life-changing it is like genre defining in my opinion i think the correlation between entrance and exit wounds is as perfect of a record as you could ask for out of any band so coming into this year a a follow-up by Space cowboy was one of my most anticipated releases for 2021 not even knowing for sure if that's what was going to happen but i just knew in my mind like if Space cowboy do anything this year like, it, it's gonna be something that I need to tell people about, and I need to share, and I need to admire. And I can say now that having the release in my hands, yeah, I'm ready to share it. I'm ready to admire it. I'm ready to tell all of you the amazing, incredible, good things that I found with The Romance of Affliction by C Space Cowboy. <laughs> so who even are C space cowboy before i get into their new record uh so they are a i don't even really know what the genre you would call like some of their prior material uh you know i've heard sascore i've heard metalcore i've heard hardcore i've heard post hardcore Um, the correlation between entrance and exit wounds, I would say is more hardcore based than anything else, but there is a song on there called late December that is really, really just slow and it's gruesome and it's very, very uncomfortable to listen to. But that was the song that I listened to. And I was like, okay, this is like, this is a real project that is going to, shape a good portion of my life and I can already understand that off of this one song and then getting into the rest of the correlation between Entrance and Exit Wounds I was just thoroughly blown away the entire time I was listening to that record Um I just I, I immediately fell in love with it I could sit here for hours and tell all, all of you the amazing things about that record and how I still go back to it regularly and just Like how much that shaped the last few years of my life. So, you know, getting to the romance of affliction, I had the like highest of expectations for this record. Like, you know, I, I wanted big things out of this. I was expecting big things. And ultimately that's what I got. I came away from last Friday having listened to a record that I believed lived up to what I wanted it to. Ultimately, and I'll get this out the way now. I don't prefer it over the correlation between, between entrance and exit wounds. I think the correlation is like this once-in-a-lifetime uh, definitive record that asking any band to top it is, you know, almost an impossible feat. Even for an act as goddamn talented as CU Space Cowboy. So the the rollout for this record started with misinterpreting Constellations, which I did talk about. I believe in detail on this show i don't see how i wouldn't have um so like immediately with that song what i understood about the direction for the romance of affliction is that it was going into that like mid-2000s myspace post-hardcore kind of sound and i'm all for that i really really enjoy that type of music and you know c space cowboy they can just nail that sound to pure fucking perfection in my opinion um with Misinterpreting Constellations we got more of the band involved in vocal duties but Connie is still very much so like at the forefront of this project I think she is one of the most important voices in music right now not just like in terms of like how she's able to get across um, her vocal performances but just also her actual like you know IRL voice and the message that she has to get across um so Connie is uh, she's trans, and she's never hid that. She's never been ashamed of that. I think that's really fucking dope to see. You know, she is a a strong and powerful front woman who is doing a lot of good for the scene. And I think she, like, she she brings a lot to say with the record because of her experiences. And, you know, she is one of those voices where you kind of just have to, like, sit down and just listen to and just understand where she's coming from. And understand her perspective on everything. And you know com- combining like um, all of that. With just how talented of a vocalist she is in the first place. That is like the crux of what makes C Space Cowboy. This really just like a pillar act in the current day and age for scene music in my opinion. Uh, then the the next single after that was... Intersecting storylines to the same tragedy, which features Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath. So immediately you have like, uh, you know, this act like Space Cowboy that is reviving that MySpace core sound. And then you bring in Aaron Gillespie, who again, like is part of Under Oath and Under Oath, they had a big hand in shaping that scene back in the day. So, you know, you have like this, like, um, you know, the old adage and the new wave of, Screamo, if you want to call it that. I don't want that term, but, um, maybe that's like, maybe that can get across what this sound actually is. Uh, so, you know, having like that, uh, past and present, uh, aspect to intersecting storylines, I thought worked really, really well. And it did a lot to help establish this as one of like the bigger songs off of, uh, the romance of affliction, at least for myself personally. Uh, the last single was a brief moment of lasting intimacy which had a really really cool music video attached to it i definitely suggest checking it out if anybody here hasn't uh, by this point um but again like it goes into everything i've been talking about with like the myspace post hardcore stuff and three singles in and it's like okay C space cowboy they're they're venturing into a different territory than the correlation between entrance and exit wounds but for as much as i love that record i really 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 love what they're doing at least with like the singles rollout for the romance of affliction so, the record opens with life as a soap opera plot, 26 years running, and immediately when you press play, the first thing you hear is Connie just screaming her fucking head off in your ears, and, you know, that's like a great way to start the record, it immediately tells you what's going to happen. Uh, there's another really cool feature spot with uh, Sharpen What You Can, which features Shaolin G from Unity, Texas, and with his I- inclusion, we see, like, this, um... Like an infiltration of the sound that was most prominent on the correlation between entrance and exit wounds. Like that slower hardcore style rhythm where you can easily just imagine like a crowd, you know, just like two stepping and moving around to that kind of a, of a slower, um, slower section in hardcore. I really, really enjoy this track. With arms that bind and lips that lock is one of my favorite songs on this record. I think it is absolutely fucking stellar. Um, there aren't really like many chances taken with this song compared to what you can hear on the rest of the romance of affliction it's just i feel like this is where c space cowboy kind of show off like just how refined and polished their sound is in the realm of that throwback post hardcore stuff um it it, it just kind of like has that same energy and vibrancy that i would hear like just browsing random myspace pages back in the day and like back in the day i'm fucking aging myself with this goddamn show y'all like y'all, y'all don't get it i um yeah uh i'm an old i'm an old person by scene standards um but all that means is like i can bring these kinds of perspectives and viewpoints when talking about shit like this where like i lived in the age of this myspace post hardcore shit and so to hear A band like C-Space Cowboy come along and like not necessarily just revitalize the sound but like breathe new life into it. Like if C-Space Cowboy were around in 2006-2007 they would have been one of the best bands in the world back then just the same way that they are now. Um, I absolutely love the one-two punch of Losing Sight of the Exit and then that goes into And My Faded Reflection in Your Eyes. Yeah. So Losing Sight of the Exit acts as like an interlude track and it leads directly into what I said about Faded. Uh, just that perfect um marriage between those two songs. It, it they did something similar on the correlation between Engines and Exit Wounds. It was with um well, actually it was kind of a three part because late December uh bled into Have You Lost a Plot, which bled into put on a show, don't let them see you fall. So this is kind of like just carrying over a concept that they use on their prior release and you know, I always want to see something like this from C Space Cowboy. I think they're really, really good at this kind of shit. Among other shit, but like this one I'm talking about now. Ouroboros, as an overused metaphor, has this outro section that it sounds like the song is kind of just like ripping itself apart. Like, imagine if a song was a person and then they just literally just start like fucking tearing themselves apart piece by piece, flesh by flesh, bone by bone. That is what I hear with Ouroboros. That's a very graphic and detailed uh, visual. I, I guess I, no, I don't apologize for that. I'm going to stop apologizing for shit on this show when I fully intend what I'm saying. Um, yeah, Ouroboros is an overused metaphor. I just fucking love the way that track ends. Um, anything to take me anywhere but here is a very short song and for that reason it kind of like just it, it exudes that post-hardcore energy like the you know, hardcore punk stuff um it, it feels like if i were to show somebody a song a single song from this record and use that to explain to them what it sounds like it would be anything to take me anywhere but here uh the piece in disillusion is another inlude style song and like I, I really, really enjoy whenever C-Space Cowboy does those kinds of, those kinds of things, those kinds of sonic tones, because they just, they just know what they're doing with that stuff. Melodrama between two entirely bored individuals. This is kind of like the last song on the record that has that, like, just all the way through that chaotic, frantic energy spread throughout it. Um, which, you know, I guess in that sense, like, this could have gotten away with being the closer, but I do appreciate the actual closer, that being the title track, which features If I Die First, this is a cool little nod to the split EP that If I Die First did with Sea Space Cowboy back around May. And then also Connie had a a guest feature spot on the most recent If I Die First EP. Um, You know, So I I really, really do enjoy these two acts being kind of intertwined with each other because they are very similar and they are achieving a lot of the same feats in terms of being able to revive post-hardcore. There are certain parts of the title track where it kind of feels like Almost like Deftones-esque, Lode-esque with the way that it slows itself down. And it just feels like very atmospheric and dark and creepy in that regard. Um, so, like, I, maybe this is like a taste or a teaser for something later on from C Space Cowboy that ventures into that kind of, um like, a more dark alternative realm. Um, there's no rush for them to get there when they're doing post-hardcore, like, to the... Uh, the extent and prowess that they are currently. Um, but yeah, just coming out of my first time listening to this record, I, I knew I didn't like it as much as the correlation between entrance and exit wounds. And ultimately, that is why I didn't give it a perfect score. Just personally, I think it's entirely fair to rate and score and judge records in comparison to the rest of the band's material. Um, so that is where, like, the one quote-unquote issue i have with this album is if you even want to call it an issue i think it's just me acknowledging that hey the correlation between entrance okay so rather let me start up here um the romance of affliction is one of the best records of 2021 whereas i think the correlation between entrance and exit wounds is one of the best records in history and there is no shame in Having an album that is almost as good and as captivating and genre-defining, genre-bending the way that the correlation between Entrance and Exit Wounds is. Um, the other thing I love about Sea Space Cowboys so much, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, is like that sort of... um So not just reviving the sound of Post Hardcore, but also the long track names and record names. Like, I keep having to say the correlation between Entrance and Exit Wounds whenever I want to talk about that record... It's a mouthful to say, honestly. And then just talking about, like, uh, the end to a brief moment of lasting intimacy or um, intersecting storylines to the same tragedy. Like, I I absolutely adore and love when bands would do this, and I wish more would. Um, so, yeah, that's like a cool little added bonus. And it really, really plays into the whole nostalgia factor that I've been talking about with the romance of affliction. This is an incredible record. I think Sea Space Cowboy are an incredible band, an important band for that matter um, they, like, they're at the top, man, they, they also, um, last week, uh, opened for Bring Me the Horizon at a small show, uh, out in California, that's fucking crazy, dude, I saw a video, that crowd was goddamn pathetic, man, they were not moving around whatsoever, um, I would have just I would have been losing my fucking mind, dude, just jumping wall-to-wall, going absolutely fucking batshit for Sea Space Cowboy on a Bring Me the Horizon bill, that is massive, you guys need to understand, like, for Sea Space Cowboy to get there, at, at this point, like, granted it's not a tour or anything like that, but like, just they had that kind of acknowledgement to at least be on a supporting role for one show for Bring Me, that's insane. And they deserve it. They absolutely do. Sea Space Cowboy are one of the best bands in the world. They're one of the most important bands. I've already said that. They are going to continue to be one of the best and most important bands in the world moving forward. Um, this is the band that they're... You're not going to be able to escape them in the scene. They're eventually, in my opinion, they're going to become like Sleep Token. They're going to become like I sign Kills when it comes to... You just see... Sleep Token? Sir I meant Spirit Box. Although I guess Sleep Token, you see their name pop up everywhere too. Um... But you're gonna see Space Cowboys' names show up everywhere on social media. You're gonna see them on a bunch of tour lineups. You're gonna you're gonna get tired of seeing their name, but you're not gonna get tired of hearing their music because they are fucking outstanding. And that's it. That was every album and EP and song from last week that I had to review. This was definitely kind of difficult to do, being sick the way that I am right now. So um, if my like congested voice. Uh, bothers anybody. I, I'm not sorry. Fuck you, first of all. But also, just, you know, bear with me on this. Hopefully, I'll feel better next week when, uh, we're talking about, like, Silent Planet and then other cool shit. Uh, cool singles for that matter, too. Uh, just, yeah, a lot of cool singles this week. Uh, or, or this week, meaning, like, next week's, uh, chapter. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and say this now if you've made it this far into the chapter. Uh but I'll reiterate this at the beginning of next week's uh episode if there's not like a a news story that should um uh take priority over this. So I've gone at length before about the songs and records list at the end of uh at the end of this year. Beginning of December actually. So it's top one hundred songs and then top fifty records. Um These will have names as far as like the awards go. So um, as as many of you probably know, if you follow the social media stuff that I do, uh, the mascot for this whole platform is a cat and her name is Iteration with two eyes because two eyes is kind of my thing. Um, so yeah, that, that mascot is entirely influenced by, um, my cat Mikasa, who is sadly no longer here. And then my two current cats, Levi and Armin, um... Yes, all three were named after Attack on Titan characters. Uh, let it be. Um, and all three of them are kind of like the heart and soul of this whole platform. Um, and I want to commemorate them. I want to give them a, a a spot in what I'm doing. So what I've decided is that the winner of the song of the year is going to get the levi and armin award and then the winner of record of the year will get the mikasa award so that's what's going to be happening and again i'll mention this at the beginning of next week's episode too because i know people don't some people don't make it through the entire chapter and that's fine that's totally okay as long as you just give me some kind of time and attention that is like more than what i deserve so yeah um i'm gonna go ahead and get off of this now uh let y'all be let y'all do what y'all gotta do thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this chapter and as always for better or worse let's make a scene